Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 162. The birds are a chirping outside. And uh, yeah, we're just going to get into it. Bull is rubbing his face on like, the coffee table. Uh, why? <clears throat> uh, you ask him. I don't know. He is a very silly fella. Um, I guess that's him marking his uh, territory, wants everything to smell like him. Uh, I'll take it. He's not pissing on anything, so uh, smelling like his fur, I will take all day long. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us on this show here. Uh, I think he thinks I'm doing a podcast. I'm actually doing this intro afterwards, so sorry, buddy. We're not doing a podcast this second. Only apologize to you. I've confused you. Um, anyway. But yes, thank you for joining us. Um, again, just keeping you updated on me. Spirits are still, you know, relatively high. Just trying to stay positive and going. And um, yeah, like I said, yeah, it's that whole antic of take one day at a time. It's it's really true because you start looking too far ahead, and, um, you tend to trip over yourself, and you can't really focus properly. You can't really. Uh, Stay uh, focus on what's what's the now. You're so worried about what's gonna happen down the road or what could it what could have and the maybes and um, the what ifs. So yeah, so I'm just I'm trying to stay positive. It's a nice day outside. Um, sorry, car going by with loud music. Um, but yeah, before more loud noises come in, I guess we better just jump into this. But yes, I appreciate everybody being with me on this episode, and uh, I'll. Uh, just get into it and uh, bullet you want to say goodbye no he wants to sleep okay see you guys in a second we shall talk all right everybody we are back again um yeah, so another guest. Um, again, sometimes, you know, I usually tell you the r- regular places that I find them, like Podmatch and Instagram and things, but uh, I found her through another friend um, who was on the show, and he uh, recommended it, and it was a part of her her book series, and uh, which we'll talk about a little bit, because I guess I'm now a collaborator with her, and I'm very happy to have it done. Um, she's really good at what she does, but she also has a story herself. And just the other day, I just realized like I hadn't had her on yet and we've been talking all this time and I'm like, oh shit, she's got to come on. Um, and like I said, she has a real story that I wanted to share and, um, and she's in a much better headspace now that she can share it and, and help people. So that's all that matters. Uh, would you like to tell us your name and like a little about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me, TJ. Um, my name is Dina Mitchell, and I grew up in Louisiana. Um, I've moved a lot, and I now reside in Colorado. And um, I am in my 50s, and I had a suicide attempt when I was 27. And I never talked about it to anybody. I never got help. I never... You know, I just, I just stuffed it and kept going. And as a entrepreneur and a manager and executive over the last three decades, I never felt like there was a time when I could really talk about my own mental health. Um, I didn't really understand that there were so many resources out there because I had never really looked for them. And I had never met anyone else who had um, been in that situation or had a story similar to mine that I felt like I could confide in. So, um, I spent a lot of years just hiding my depression, my anxiety, you know, my insecurities, (laughs) um, because I thought that it wasn't, it wasn't okay to talk about. And, um, had some other health issues during my life. I've had psoriasis since I was a year old and I always thought it was a skin condition. Who know, who knew it's an autoimmune disease and there's all these other things that go along with it. And so, um, 
And then my late forties, I found out I had endometriosis. So I had been, we had tried to have a child for five years and I lost three and I just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then finally I had a new doctor that said he thought that's what it was. And it, it was, and it was pretty, pretty bad to the surgery was very invasive and, and it took me a lot longer to recover than they told me. So those are just the overview of the things yeah, <laughs> events yeah. um, that, that have happened or occurred in my life. Yeah. And I think you and I talked about the other day on that zoom calls, like sometimes again, I don't know what your case was when you were 27, but Sometimes, like in my case, a lot of group of my friends, I'm, I'm tend to be the strong one, but it's very hard to show weakness because I feel like it's kind of like a, uh, a trickle down effect where, it, you know, I don't want them to feel like, oh, if he's exposed and he feels that way, like, man, like that makes me feel really worse about my situation. But um, but when you're like in the beginning stages of if you're because, again, I had a suicide attempt as well and tried to shoot myself. Uh, luckily the gun had a lock on it. So I got lucky there, but the, you know, I, I really wanted out of this world because I really just felt so alone. I didn't really have any friends at the time. <clears throat> I don't roughly know my age. It was younger than 27, but it was probably like early twenties. And I was just done with just feeling the way I was feeling, just loneliness and just everything was just kicking me in the ass. And I was just, uh, just felt so constricted by my anxiety and, uh, I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. And yeah, you start to look for some sort of role model or somebody who went through a similar situation as you. And there are people that are similar, but it's like, you're looking for like the perfect specimen. You're looking for the perfect person to match up. Like they have to be the same gender and race and all these things. Cause you're trying to find every reason not to, you know, find any, cause you want to be alone. There's a party that just wants to stay in that like dark place and your dark place continues to tell you, like, no, no, there's no one like you. Even though there's many examples of it, um, sometimes we're being so selective. I don't know. Was that something you were doing then? Yes, I, I that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think part of my problem was alcohol. Oh, um, okay. I, I grew up, like I said, in Louisiana, where it's normal that, you know, back then, if you could reach the counter, you could buy a beer, you know. Right. And... I also worked in the hospitality industry, so that makes it even worse. Uh, you know, working in restaurants and hotels, everybody drinks. That's just what they do. Right. And I think that I never thought I had a problem with alcohol until probably, um, you know, the last five years mm -hmm. because I, I hadn't drank in so long. But what I realized was that when I did used to drink, I didn't drink alone. I didn't drink every day. But when I did drink socially, I didn't know when to stop. And that's what would get me in trouble. And looking back on that, I see that, that I did have a problem. Um, but the people around me were doing the same thing. So, you know, they weren't going to say, hey, Dina, I'm worried about you because of this. Because they were doing exactly the same thing I was doing. So right. it's, it's like you have to get far away, far enough away from the situation to realize like what's really going on. And it took me years after I didn't even drink anymore to, to look back and see that. Yeah, it is like a, it's a very daunting thing to like, to realize that you have to go back and like reassess yourself and like strip yourself to the bare minimum and just realize what you cause and how you are the problem. Even if, if you're not all like, again, if, if you were like attacked and, you know, molested or certain things happen to you, some of that stuff is not your fault. But if you're making bad decisions, like in dating and you're dating people that are, like resemble someone bad in your past, that is something that you're causing. Um, and I think with, with alcohol, alcohol is such a weird one in this country because you'll see magazines where you'll see a cigarette, like they're, they're, downplaying like how bad cigarettes are for you but on the other side it'll be promoting alcohol and yeah and it's and again i'm not you know again alcohol and, and small consumption people there, i think there's also functional people that can uh can take more in than most but in general alcohol is one of those things that we celebrate and and you know a lot of people just cannot be around it i know i know guys that 
um, or gals that don't even want to go anywhere near restaurants that have bars in them or that serve alcohol because it's it's just too much, uh, and it, it just reminds them of of how bad they can get, and um, and it's one of those things that really you know blinds you from reality, if you know yeah. done the wrong way. I think that addiction. What I've come to learn in the last few years with all my research and work is that if there is an addiction of anything, there is a deeper problem. And it's, it's like we get addicted to our coping mechanisms and then they take over our life. And if we could ever get to the root of the problem of why someone started using alcohol or drugs or whatever the addiction is, um, then we can get to the real root of the problem. And I think that's something that our foundation and our books do is help people get to the root of the problem and heal from it. So they're not relying so much on their coping mechanisms. And for me, it was work. It was, it's always been work. I've worked myself to death for decades because that's how I coped with, with my own issues and um you know sometimes like you said it's not your fault that you start drinking alcohol because you become of age and you're around people who drink so you drink with them and you don't maybe even realize the dangers of that until you get older and see what what it does to people and i don't you know i don't i've sold alcohol and bartended for a long a long time um, but I think there's a way to do it responsibly. And I even taught tips classes for a long time to, to help bartenders and servers understand their responsibility. And it's not just, you know, give somebody anything they ask for. And because they're your friend, you're going to pour them a double. It's, you know, really understanding the liability of you as a server of alcohol and what could happen to you if somebody leaves the seat in front of you, has had a shot and goes out and gets in an accident and someone dies. Bartenders are liable for, for some of that. And I, I think a lot of them don't understand. I got off on a total. No, no, you're fine. (laughs) No, you're, I completely understand. It's at this, you know, an alcohol drug, you know, weed. I mean, again, some of these things you can do and it's fine, but all these things, sometimes your life is spinning out of control and you just want something to just kind of slow it down a little bit. But the problem is when you wake up, even if you don't have a hangover, whatever you did that night, like if you hit somebody with your car, they're still hit. They're still dead or injured. Your life just stopped for a couple hours, but it's about to speed up and it's just about to speed up much faster than it was when you last left it. Um, and you know, I think, you know, consequences don't really go into play sometimes. And again, if your life is really spinning at a rapid pace, sometimes you just, you just want an escape. And again, it could be sex. It could be many things. And you just, even if it's just curling up and watching a Netflix show, but you really, there's some things you need to address, but you're like, I don't want to, cause I just, I'm a, I just want to stay in my house and cry or whatever. You know, it, you, if it's an issue that needs to be dealt with now, you should deal with it now because no matter how much you put it off, uh, or no matter how much you, you consume something, it, it's not going away. Yeah. Um, when I woke up in the hospital in 97, mm-hmm. my blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. Wow. And even, I don't really remember a lot in a, in a legit time frame around then, but it was weeks or months later, I woke up in my Jeep on the side of the road in Arizona and I didn't know where I was. And it was because I had left one party and I was going to another party. And that day, that morning, I woke up and I was petrified that I hurt somebody because I couldn't remember. And that incident, is what helped me drag myself out of the pit and and say I have to change something. That was your bottom. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I talk a lot about 
you know, just dealing with my demons and I'm always been sober. I, I, I've had drinks, but it does nothing for me. Like my friend brought it up to me because of my vision problem. And he made a weird, he just randomly said it. And I don't think he really realized kind of how intelligent it was, is that, you know, it really is true when one of your senses goes down, um, you know, the others just expand and, and, and they're so much stronger and my taste bud. So I, as soon as I get a taste of alcohol, whereas most people will say like, you can't even, I've heard it a thousand times. Like you can't even taste alcohol in this drink and I will taste it. And, uh, it's one of the reasons that deters me from ever really drinking. Um, I'll try anything, but it's like, it's just cause of my friends. They just want me to try stuff. So I'm like, sure. But so I, so I talk about what it's like to be sober, but have demons like for someone who was, you know, in a fog with, you know, mental health and anxiety and depression and all these things. Um, because I know what it's like to have like those voices in the back of your head, not like schizophrenia, but voices just telling you that, you know, life isn't going to get any better. You know, this is as good as it's going to get, you know, you're ugly, you're these things. How does alcohol make it worse? Because I have no idea. I don't drink. So when it comes to mental health related. Yeah, I think, um, well, I think alcohol makes things worse because number one, a lot of times you don't even remember what you said or did. Sure. Um, it also is addictive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you're drinking a lot, you're, you're like always hungover. So it's always just brain fog, tired, exhausted feeling. Um, or at least in my case, so like when I'm not drinking, I can get up early in the morning. I'm like full of energy, ready to go. But if you're drinking, it's like you just, I assume it's the same with drugs or at least some of them where you're just lethargic. Like you feel like you could sleep for days sure. and you know, it makes us unproductive. It makes us um, not think clearly. Um, definitely makes you have bad decisions (coughs) sorry um so it's i don't know i mean even recently i think i had a there was a a big um game on or something and i was like i'm gonna have a drink we're home we're just doing whatever and it was like it just didn't make me feel good it made me feel bad enough to where i I just don't even want it anymore. And I haven't drank in a long time, but I'm not, you know, I might have a half a glass of wine when I go to dinner sometimes with people or something like that. But I used to drink whiskey, like a lot of it Mm -hmm. and, you know, do shots and all that stuff. And, and I just, I don't even want to anymore um, because of the way it makes me feel. And I'm sure that, the age has something to do with it because now that I'm older, you feel everything more. But um, it's just, I remember it being such a social thing in mm-hmm. my life. Um, and it, especially in the industry I worked in and how it was kind of a, a badge of honor of like, you know, I, whatever. But it's, it's not healthy to be drinking that much. And, um, Obviously, it made it made um, the choice to end my life easy um, because I wasn't coherent. Yeah. So. Well, I think is a lot of times when you're like away from something because when you when you're in it, whether whatever in your case, alcohol, it's like you can't imagine being separated from it. It's like, oh no, this is my lifeline. This keeps me going. And then all of a sudden, now whatever, twenty years, ten years, five years later you haven't had a drink and it's like, Oh, I need it. Cause like I've noticed it on a smaller level where I've been eating a lot better and I'm not a big guy, but I've been eating a lot better. And now I'll eat some things. Sugar, like I, I've been avoiding sugar for the most part. And every mm-hmm. so often I'll try something. I'm like, Ugh, that's just so sweet. And I'm like, wow, did I just say that? I'm like, this is something I just loved like a year ago. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, you realize you didn't need it after all. And it's just not something that ever needs to come back. And again, you know, sugar is not as bad as alcohol, but still like sugar is in everything, it seems. And it's just one of those things where like, I never thought I would ever say that about that because I'm like, I love sugar. But I realize mm-hmm. when it when I don't feel as uh, exhausted, I don't just feel as groggy with it. It's like 
so much sugar is out of my body now. It's like, I feel better. And it's like, man, I don't want to go back to that. Um, and so I'm just imagining it's very similar for you when it comes to, uh, alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was also a little bit of, um, I didn't realize this until years later, but I think a lot of it was, was tied to social anxiety mm-hmm. and everybody always thought I was kind of like the social butterfly and uh, I was always spontaneous about things and, you know, um, I was always fun when I was drinking Mm -hmm. and when I wasn't drinking, I was more shy, shy and quiet and, um, didn't really care to be around all of the hoopla, you know? Yeah. It was your mask. Um, And so I think it, you know, looking back, I'm sure that was a big part of it. I just didn't understand it at the time. See, I relate to that a lot because I, I'm pretty, I've never been drunk in my life. I've like come close to tipsy, but I know because of being socially awkward and I'm much better than I was back then, but there was times where like, I knew if I drank more, I guarantee I probably would have been in the same boat as you, where I would have come out of my shell and been way more fun and probably had more opportunities. But at the same time, because I have an addictive personality and because that would have been an addictive, it would have been addictive in itself, just getting attention and, and all those things. It's like, Oh, and now you're just, it's, it's, you're now on a whole new high and you just keep doing it. Cause it's like, I want to have this kind of fun every night. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really envisioned myself at some point, like I knew I could have gone down that path. I just, I guess I, I let so many years go by to where it was like, I was in my twenties and I'm like, because I was such a free as a kid, I was such a like petrified child of everything. I said no to everything and that worked in my benefit. But like when I got older, it was like, okay, maybe I'll try these things. And then it was just, I went, you know, 25 years without drinking. I was like, I don't think I really need it. So it's kind of pointless. Yeah. It's not something that um, I'm proud of, but I think it taught me a lot and it probably got me through a lot um, that, that allowed me to not get the help for mental health that I needed um, because I was masking it with all the other things I didn't, even understand what was going on in my brain. And, you know, after that suicide attempt, I woke up in the hospital and the doctors, I mean, this was in the 90s, so people didn't talk about this stuff very much. Can I ask what you did? I'm sorry. Can I ask exactly what your suicide attempt was? Yeah. um, I took three bottles of migraine pills with a bottle of wine and I was already drunk. Right. Okay. So, um, the person I was living with at the time came home and found me and called 911. And they, I don't really remember much. I remember them trying to get me to drink charcoal. And I remember them trying to put an IV in my arm and carrying me down the stairs in a stretcher. And then I, I woke up in the hospital. And it's weird because some of the details are so fuzzy and I don't even remember the timeline. And then I could tell you exactly what I was wearing when I woke up in the hospital. Like it's weird. Hmm. Um, But they literally, the doctor talked to me. I don't really remember the conversation. And then he gave me a note on his prescription pad to call a certain doctor and make an appointment. And he let me walk out of the hospital less than eight hours later. Wow. Wow. Which is crazy to me now that I know what I know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, you're not like an anomaly. Like you're not the only one that's ever happened to. Right. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's the other extreme where people, um, get thrown in psych wards for 72 hour holds that don't belong there. So there's, there's extremes on both sides Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of, you know, the people who have had experiences in the mental health world and, and therapy and treatment and all this can tell you all kinds of stories. Um, And I've heard a lot of them, but then there's other people who've never, they don't even know what PTSD is or bipolar and they've never had anyone in their life that struggled with any of that. So they don't, they don't understand it at all. 
So there's such a wide spectrum of who knows what in the mental health world and, and specifically around suicide as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, again, I've talked about this on so many issues, but like people try to avoid the gray area. They like to make it seem like there's only two options, the white and the black or, you know, Republicans, Democrats. Like we like to just think, I mean, in that case, there is only two, but you know, we like to act like there's no middle, there's no other options. There's no thinking outside the box, but there's so much other things going on that like on its surface. Yeah. Like you're not going to get really anything done if you just look at it on its surface, especially mental health, because there's so many components to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And again, everybody deals with their mental health differently. So everyone has different reasons of how they got to where they got to. And when you just look at it, like I, I talk about it all the time, it's like a lot of times when mental health is really brought up is, you know, all these school shootings, which is unfortunate. And mental health is 100% in that. But that's not the only reason. It's the same thing with PTSD. Like PTSD is related to soldiers coming back from the war. But there's many forms of PTSD. You know, you get mm-hmm. you get molested or raped, you're going to have PTSD. I mean, there's, you could, you know, have there's many forms of it. It doesn't even have to be that extreme. But um, And that's why it's so important to have these type of conversations because so many people just don't have the right information and there's so much other flooded information all over the Internet. And people just Google this and Google that and God knows what they land on. And now they're taking God knows what supplement or whatever else they think is going to help. And the reality of it, it might even not even be the right problem. They're just in a total, mm-hmm. they're in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's such a um, vast world um, when you talk about mental health and it, it's hard to know where people are coming from and what knowledge they have. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I want to say it's like the wild west of medicine. (laughs) Um, But it's really important um, that people know they're not alone. And that is my whole mission in life these days. Sure. Mine too. Yeah, that's very important because I, I, you know, being a teenager, being a 20 year old, being now a 30 year old, just going through life and you know, you escape like I'm the episode I'm going to put out probably after this one is an episode of where I'm just actually might be before this one uh, is an episode I, I recorded a couple years ago on New Year's where I'm just really depressed. Um, I did a disclaimer saying this is a couple years ago, but it was just I was feeling just so lonely just because I had no one to go out with. And just and, and even though I have friends to call, even though I do have a decent life, it's not as the greatest, but. There are friends. If I really wanted to call them, I could go to their house if I wanted to. Um, but like I was just feeling so down on myself. And yeah, I recovered the next day. But it was just it's just an episode like, a, you know, an hour in my life of just where I was in this one point in time. Um, because I want people I don't want people to just think because just because I do positive stuff doesn't mean I don't ever feel that way. Um, and you know, just because I, I seem strong all the time doesn't mean I'm always strong. Like there's times where I just allow myself to be susceptible to sadness or anger and I just, I just deal with it in my own time and I hope, you know, it doesn't, uh, overtake me, which it usually doesn't. Uh, and, well, it never mm-hmm. has. Um, and so I think it's very important because that's why I try to show, you know, a vast, of different, um, emotions when I'm feeling it. There's times I feel just really content and, and, and all right and feeling okay. I can smile because I know I'm having a good health day or um, whatever. My, my cat's making me smile, whatever. It could be something small. Well, and then there's days where I just, I feel really depressed because I don't know, maybe I saw something depressed in the world or maybe I'm just feeling inadequate at, at something, some position in my life or, um, and then there's times I'm just angry because I don't know, I just feel I didn't deserve everything I got. And again, you're more than you're more than welcome to feel how you want to feel in your life. I just like to show every bit of it because I don't think it's also like as a person who feels alone, I don't think it's fair just to show all the good times. And I think a lot of people do that because they don't want to show the scars, which is ironic is one of one of the names that's in your book. Um, it, a lot of people don't like to show them because you get ridiculed or, um, you know, some people just get looked at differently because, Oh, like what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? This and, and, 
you know, I'm hoping further down the road, you know, more people can be so open about their mental health and they won't get so ridiculed for um, showing true emotion, especially as guys. Like, I think it's really upsetting that a lot of guys feel like they have to be tough all the time. And there's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with just feeling something. Um, like, I felt I complimented a guy at work today that he smelled good. And, yeah, I'm not into guys. But it's like, why do I have to feel weird for just going, hey, man, you smell good. Like, hey, nice shirt. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Girls do it all the time. Sometimes girls can be catty and whatever. But girls actually do will compliment each other if they, they you know, they like something. Um, not to go off topic. But, yeah, it's, it's just... It's, it's just good to show it all. Um, it's good to, you know, like I don't, I think the only way you're really going to help somebody is if you really open up and you show all of what you've gone through and, and just don't hold back. Cause at some point you could go through an entire, your whole story and it could be exactly like someone's story. But if you just skip one step, they'll go, ah, shit, I feel alone. See, they didn't go through that. And it's like, I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I think there's a trend the last, you know, five or so years of the real and authentic is more appreciated because I don't know if you remember, maybe it was more than five years ago when all these celebrity women started posting pictures of themselves without makeup. Sure, yeah. And it was like shocking because like these people would never leave their house without full face of makeup and all of a sudden their their faces are on the on the cover of magazines with no makeup and everybody thought it was so cool that they would do that and I think that the the conversations about mental health and the you know revealing that we're not all perfect is is kind of a new trend because everybody was so sick of seeing all the perfect everything on on social media and I think that's what has exacerbated us all feeling like we're not enough because there were all these people in the world that were showing like, look how perfect my life is. And the people watching that, it just made them feel like they weren't worthy of whatever these other people had. Mm-hmm. And it, it created more of a divide between, you know, celebrities and regular people or however we want to business owners or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it has been a trend in a good way the last few years, I think, because people are being more real and they're realizing when they're more real, people are attracted to that. They're, they're more, um, they're more supportive of each other. And I think it's a it's a good trend, and I hope it continues. Yeah, standing out is really important. I'm when it's not like forced. Some people try so hard to stand out by just wearing colorful things and having weird hair and whatever. But in general, I mean, when you you stand out, you stand out, and it, it's always good that yeah, there are so many people that are trying to. I think at some place we'll we'll get to a point where we're just comfortable with talking about any of this stuff. You know, even it's just like, oh, yes, the other day I, I had a panic attack. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. You know, the other day I just, I was just feeling really low and I had suicidal thoughts. Like, you good? You, you need something? You need me to come over? Like, no, I'm good. I just, just wanted to share it with somebody. Um, and I know that stuff is deep, but sometimes it, it, it really is. Like, it, it's always, that's why I check on so many people. Because, especially in the disability community, because I know how life can be so hard for us and because our lives are so like constantly fluctuating uh, as far as health wise because just because you're having a good health month doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be a good health day and I know so many friends with chronic health and chronic pain excuse me and, and just whether it's eye conditions or whatever anything that just fluctuates if you're just like permanently deaf or permanently blind then it doesn't really relate to you but if you're a person who has health issues that are just some days you have good days some days you have bad days I love checking on them because I, I know that I'm going to land on a day one time when they're not feeling it and they just want someone to check on them because that just feels so good when someone cares, even if it's not the person you wanted it to or whatever. Sometimes it's just nice to know that someone is like thinking of you even for a second. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it gives you reasons to hold on because I've had many times where I'm, I'm just holding on by a thread and I'm, life is just hitting me so fast and so hard that I'm like, 
it's not that I would ever want to kill myself now, but it's like sometimes I'm just like, it's just so much. I just, I really don't want to do this anymore. And then you have to mm-hmm. kind of take a step back and you have to look at all the things in the in the picture and go, okay, if I did this, especially now as an advocate, if I did this, I don't know what the impact would be on people who listen to me. I don't know what the impact would be on friends of mine. I don't know. I'm not saying I have the power that would anyone else would kill themselves, but I can't say there isn't. Can't say I won't. It wouldn't have an effect on anybody. Um, I know it would have a huge impact on people who love me. So um, you, you think about those things. But back then, when I was at my worst and at my bottom, I didn't think about that. I didn't care mm-hmm. because I just didn't want to feel anymore. And so it's you know even yeah. as a person who advocates um, for mental health and just you know to be more aware of it, it's also to good to just be a good person out there and try to check on people. Um, and even, even with all the negative, just garbage that's going on in the world and you see so many people just, you know, just, you're living in their play. Um, they don't care how they're driving or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're just in their way. You can't, you can't give into that. You have to just still try to be a good person. I tell my grandma that who's 91 and she's just so stubborn in her ways. Like, well, they're not doing it. And I'm like, I know grandma, but that's not the point. Don't let them ever get you off your game. Just be you. Just be respectful. And I'm like, why am I the one teaching you manners? Like, just be a good person. Who gives a shit about them? They're not important. Just be good. Put out good energy because there might be, you know, 50 people in this grocery store. If there's even two of us putting out good energy, at least there's two of us. You know, like, just I get so tired of just all that. I just have to just, you know, tra-la-la-la-la through life. And sometimes it's harder than others. But you're going to bump into somebody who's on the same energy level as you. And they're just... You know, you just, it's good when you, it's always great when, you know, like meeting you, like you give off very good energy. It's just nice to meet another kind person who's trying to do good and put out good energy. And, and as long as you're here on this planet, you're trying to do what's best because you're taking your pain and turning it into something positive. And that's like the best thing you can do um, instead of taking your pain and just wanting other people to suffer like you did. Because that's, that's the other way. That's the alternative. And people have done that. Well, thank you for for that. I feel like um, I feel like I really have found my purpose in this world, and I wouldn't have found it without going through all the things I went through. And you know, when I lost my business in 2020, I had lots of time to think about it and figure out what is my place in the world. And I think that it's the whole reason that we we do these books that you mentioned is that somebody can pick up a book in a library, a bookstore, in their own home, wherever they are by themselves, and they can read a chapter that is a story from some other person in the world that has gone through something similar and or something different, but just a similar feeling and they can know they're not alone. Yeah. And and for so many years, <clears throat> if I would have ever had an opportunity like that to read a story about somebody who had survived a suicide attempt, and there are millions and millions of them in the world, if I would have been able to read a story and connect with that person, I would have gotten help a lot sooner. Yeah. And I think that that the people who were really willing to tell their stories, sometimes they've healed from the, the trauma and they're using it already in the world to help others. And some of them think they have, but when they start writing, it's a, it's more healing that comes. And so I think a lot of people who write think they're writing to help others and in turn it, it ends up helping them as well. And it's just the the feedback we've gotten from the books and the people we've reached so far, um, which is nowhere near as many as we want to reach. Um, but it's it's been overwhelming at how much people have um, gotten from it and how many people have been involved in our community and our events that say their lives have changed. And that's what keeps me going because Nobody deserves to live, you know, in a place where they think they're not good enough. Yeah. 
and it's very easy to feel that way. It really is. Um, you know, I always go back to the disability thing, but you know, that's just where my head goes because that's, you know, I have a disability, so I know what it's like to just feel insignificant and people look down on you for, for that. And, and, you know, people switch up when they know that you're different and, and just life is different. It makes things harder, you know, harder to find a job. It's harder to do a lot of things. And sometimes you don't want to do the harder thing. You just want to just live and be content and you don't want to have to constantly fight all the time and you end up sacrificing a lot. And, um, you end up running the gamut of emotions and you're just drained. And But when you, you get a lot of good feedback and you, you know that you're helping people and you know that you're just doing your part, um, mm -hmm. it, it feels really good to know what you're doing. And it's also great to, you know, you know, interact with other strong people that are doing the same thing, even if they're doing something different. You know, I, like I've said many times, you don't have to do a podcast just because I do one. Whatever it is that you do, I'm I'm all in as long as it's something positive. So, you know, if it can help somebody, I, I you know, I've had people on. And I, that's kind of the beauty of it is I like having people on that. Just, I mean, it's great to relate on a lot of things, but I like, you know, there's so many disabilities I've had on. There's so many people that have gone through that just that were homeless or, you know, again, in your case, addiction. I've never been addicted to really anything. Um, and so... And I'm grateful for that. But it's also I like to have those people share those stories because, again, I can't make everyone feel like they're not alone because I don't have mm -hmm. I don't share the same story. I can give you parts of your story, maybe. But I know a lot of people, you know, like I had a guy on it was about porn addiction. Well, like for a second, I was just like, I don't know, like, should I have him on? And then I'm like, no, of course I should. It's an addiction just because like it's taboo doesn't mean it's something that shouldn't be talked about. and doesn't mean a lot of people don't suffer from it. And mm -hmm. You know, however I can help anybody out there who's just sitting in there wherever they are and they're just feeling just anxious and depressed and they just want someone to just speak to them, uh, you know, do my best to find them. Just what you got to yeah. do. Um, That's true. Yeah. Before we kind of get back into your book, because, you know, I can you kind of go into, because, you know, we, we started at you being 27, like, what is it that you were really, whether running from, what was it that you were so depressed about? I mean, yeah, you were doing alcohol and things, but what was it that you were kind of trying to escape from? I was in a very unhealthy relationship. Oh, okay. Um, and I would say, <clears throat> I didn't see it at the time, mm -hmm. but looking back, it was very um, emotionally abusive and verbally abusive. Sure. And um, I think that I was, I was the kind of person that have always been the kind of person that is very driven and wants everything to be perfect. I'm sure I have never been diagnosed with OCD, but I know that I am. Sure. Um, I just want things to be, perfect for everybody all the time and it, it's just something that I've always strived for and when that relationship was falling apart I did everything in my power to try to save it and it was at the expense of my own mental health and you know it it just culminated one night and because I had drank so much, I just made that decision. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot from it. I also think I wouldn't be doing the work I do today if I hadn't have gone through that. So I know there was a reason. Yeah. And at the time, I woke up in the hospital and I was angry that I was alive. Sure. But now I, I also understand why yeah. I was saved from that incident. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think it's just important to show the source of it because sometimes, um, again, uh, you, there's a lot of women that can relate to you in that. There's guys that can relate to you as well, but there's a lot of women that can relate to, you know, abusive relationships, um, whether it's, you know, verbal, you know, mental, physical, sexual, whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what a lot of women will do. They'll, you know, instead of leaving or whatever, they feel like they can't or they're not good enough or they're not attractive and they couldn't find another man or whatever it is that they, all the things that you go through in your head, 
you just find some other reason to cope and to deal with it instead of actually dealing with the real issue. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's like we just because, mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling good tonight and you're having a good time while well, you're still in the relationship. You wake up tomorrow, you're yeah. still with a shitty person who doesn't care about you and abuses you um, until you actually hit rock bottom and you actually have to realize and just, like I said, you, you you have to like strip yourself down until you are so vulnerable and you have to look at all the parts you play in it. That doesn't mean you deserve to be abused. It doesn't mean you are the right. worst person in this situation because you're not the abuser, but you are playing a part in it because you are staying and you're allowing him to treat you this way and, and you're, you're better than that. You deserve better. So yeah. And you just have to, you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I know, especially as a woman, I'm sure it's very hard to, as a guy who's just telling you all these awful things about you stuff, you start to believe it. So you just go along with it and you know, this is the best I can do, which is not true. Yeah. But I also want to make a point that the people who are the abusers, no matter what the situation or if it's, women or men or you know whatever the abuse is the people who are abusing other people in any way they need help as well oh for sure they need help because there's something going on there there's either trauma they haven't healed from there's their own insecurities and if it's easy to say you know that we're in a relationship that is abusive in some way and we need to get away from this person. But we also need to think about what do, what do they need to get better? Because addiction, abuse, all of it is covering up something deeper. Yeah. And I just, I just wanted to make that point because we don't talk about that very often. No, you're right. I, I just want people to focus on their individual because sometimes you focus on too much. You, you forget about yourself. But no, I fully understand. Yeah, there's a lot of people who you can actually help. Um, mm-hmm. Some people, you know, commit ultimate sins and there's no going back. But um, but yeah, you got to try to rehabilitate, rehabilitate people. I think I've said it so many times, especially in this country, we, we because of the age of social media, we write people off so quick because they did something and then it's like oh 30 years ago yeah you beat your wife and it's like we went 30 years without beating another woman like should i just hold you to the fact that you you're just a woman abuser like who knows what he's covering up who knows what he saw his dad was beating his mother a lot of times it's a cycle it just gets passed down and people just keep doing the same thing um you know and that's yeah yeah and i'm definitely not saying that the people that are being abused are responsible for getting that person help, but maybe it's something they could, you know, just pass a word to somebody in their life that maybe could help them. Um, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you're in such like a hatred, you're you're trying to separate yourself so hard, but like if you get into a good place and you find out later on and and you, you can like, there's still a part of you that like wants to help them without like getting close to them. And it's just, you know, there's still some sort of affinity feel for them. You feel like you need to help them, mm-hmm. not that you need to. But yeah, if you can reach out to them or reach out to someone that cares about them, because it, it does, it sucks seeing somebody at their lowest and you you know yeah. they need help. And it's like either no one's addressing it or, you know, whatever. Some, again, sometimes, I like, you know, a person like that needs to see someone who was, they saw you at your lowest. And then now they mm-hmm. see you almost rising above them. Like, wow, look what I did without you. And now I'm, I'm doing so well in life. And it might almost take them to see that. Like, wow, like, look at you and look where I'm at. I'm still here, if not worse. And you're over there doing well and flourishing. Like, um, But, yeah, it, it's always good to try to help anybody. Um, depend, you know, it just people struggle. People make really horrible mistakes. But a lot of times it is their past that created who they are and sometimes a lot of you know they went through a lot of abuse and um you know there's no excuse for them you know turning it around on someone else but you know there's a reason they got here and if no one's going to address it they're probably going to keep doing it yeah i agree i think it's um i always say i always talk about kindness and gratefulness and i always say you never know what the person standing next to you is dealing with. And it could be a total stranger or it could be your spouse. You still don't really know 
what they're dealing with on a daily basis. And kindness allows us to extend, you know, gratitude to other people. And it's so important. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you kind of talked about it, but what, what, what is, what was the main inspiration for the book or the book series, I should say? So in 2020, um, I started the Realize Foundation and at the time we were doing virtual summits. And so people would come and tell their stories of overcoming adversity and we did it live and, um, we also did a three-day event around that. And after a couple of the summits, we started talking about making them into books. And so then we we did that. Um, that's how the first one started. And then it was just such a, like, we did the first book launch event. And it was, like, the biggest high at the end of that event because everybody was just, like, so excited and so um, everybody was so vulnerable and supportive and it was just an amazing event. And so we said, okay, well, when are we doing the next one? And people started asking if they could write their story. And so we just decided we're going to, we're going to put them out twice a year in May for mental health month and in September for suicide prevention month. And where we look to have around 20 authors or a little more in each book. And this year we were planning to put a book out in May, but instead we're launching our new podcast in May and then we'll have the next book coming out in September. Right. So that's kind of yeah. how that happened. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's kind of how I got on board with, um, <laughs> you know, another guest pointed me in her direction and, we got to talking and all of a sudden things started moving and yeah, I, like I said, I was very appreciative for, you know, letting me on. I hope I, uh, I you know, con contributed to the book the way I should have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, like I said, it's a really good project. I, I, I always, it's one of my biggest things I love to support other people. Like just, it's one thing to have them on the show and get their story out, but I think it's just, that's another thing that's missing is in this world is such kindness and just supporting each other. It's a lot of times it's like, if it's not your idea, it's not a idea. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. like even if I can't fully go engage and, and give you all my time and money and this and that, that doesn't mean I can't support it and share it and, and be a part of it somehow mm -hmm. or point someone in the direction that could help you or you can help me. And, um, it's kind of how it should work. It's, you know, absolutely. And we do have other virtual events, too, that we're going to start doing every quarter in June. Um, and those are more just speakers or conversations about different topics and then um, doing some exercises and getting them breakouts and meeting people, kind of networking and and just, you know, meeting people that maybe you have something in common with. Or there's people who have written in our books or attended our events and they're like lifelong friends now. So it's a really great place to meet supportive people. If you are, you know, there's, there's some people who don't have many supportive people in their life. And so it's a good place to connect with somebody that can be your buddy or your accountability partner, or just that you see at our events, if you come to them. Um, so it can be a, a really good experience. Yeah, and you know you're in like a, a non-judgmental, like you're in a judgment-free zone. Like you know people aren't going to just judge you because they have, everyone has scars and everyone has something to judge if you really look hard enough. But mm -hmm. why bother? Because you're all in the same area for very similar reasons. Uh, even if your story is entirely different in a lot of ways, even if it doesn't, you know, have addiction or whatever, but mental health or some something is in there and the reason why you're at this place and um, yeah, everyone's going to mm -hmm. most likely be very accepting of whatever it is that you went through. And that's always yeah. a good place to be because you feel comfortable. And again, that's where you will feel you or where you will not feel alone because there's how could you? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's very true. 
<clears throat> and uh, you're you're terrible at promoting, by the way. You still have yet to say the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> so the name of our book is Scars to Stars, and we're working on volume three right now. And it says on the book, like, it's about vulnerable um, conversations about overcoming adversity and resilience. So that's what they... That's what it's called. And our, our website is Realize, R-E-A-L-I-Z-E, realizefoundation.org. And you can find all about the books there. You can apply to be in a book there. And then you can also read about our other events and our, um, you know, our mission and all of that stuff. So I hope you visit and subscribe so we can um, keep in touch. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm just very grateful, obviously, to meet you and become your friend and so on. But just to, you know, it, you can tell as a person who's going through stuff myself, it's, it's always, you know, I always said I'm kind of anti people who like force people to like recognize that they've gone through something like, look at me, I've survived this. And a lot of people who have survived things know other survivors, um, even if it whether it's, you know, physical scars or internal scars. And as a person who's been through a lot has both, um, you know, you can tell that you've been through some things and, you know, you're a very kind person, but you can tell you've been through a lot of shit and, but you, 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 you're very resilient. You got back up and obviously I'm, I'm very grateful that you, um, didn't fall through or, you know, your suicide attempt didn't work and I'm happy that you're sober and doing well. And, you know, like I said, your success is, it, it's well-deserved. Thank you so much, DJ. I'm happy to meet you too. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's always good to meet really good people out here because sometimes you feel like they don't exist either. You're like, ooh, and you bump into them and you're on the same path, even if it's, you know, you're what you're trying to do is different. Um, mm -hmm. but we're kind of doing the same thing in, in a different way. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I didn't think so either, but, you know, uh, we hadn't talked a whole lot about your story. Most of it was life and then my story, of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, like I said, I'm very grateful to have you on. Uh, it was, I don't know why I waited so long, but uh, it was good to Well, thank you, and I'm very grateful that you're going to be in our next book. Yeah, it's a great collaboration. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, guys, good ending. <clears throat> I told her off, Mike. Um, I kind of need that conversation. Kind of been down in the dumps with just things, and I kind of talked about it on the last episode, so no need to no need to reiterate it. But um, well, it is here. You want to say hi, my buddy? Want to say hi? Are you too far from the mic? I need you to come closer, sir. This is not what a podcast guest does or uh, co-host, sir. Come over here. Come here, put it on the mic. There you go. People like this. It's soothing. Okay, that's enough. You gave us enough. Just a, a small little pinch of bullets love. Uh, now people are just going to think I force you to purr. Or maybe they think I have a purring machine. It's not even you. Um, okay. <laughs> I think he's done with me. He's like, oh no, he's climbing on the table now. Okay. Fine. Uh, anywho, um, but thank you for being with me, guys. Like I said, this uh, kind of needs a nice positive conversation. Just been kind of going through it with um, just some things, with, like I said, with work and just health stuff. And even my eyes right now are kind of blurry and just tired. And um, I'll recover. I just sometimes life can be very draining. And I know I could hide it and not show you guys, but I don't think that's fair. I think it's it's completely okay to show how I feel in that moment. Um, and so when I did that intro for the last episode, that was yesterday. So it's not like weeks have gone by. It's like, really? You still feel this way? Jesus, wake up. Um, anywho, uh, but yes, thank you guys for being on this journey with me. And not that it's ending or anything, but I just thank you for anybody who listens, um, whether you know me or not. Um, I'm just grateful anyone cares. I really am. And, Hopefully uh, someone's out there is being helped by uh, these conversations. It helps me. I know it helps the guests. And 
hope someone out there is unfortunately is struggling. Hopefully it helped you just to get through a day, uh, an hour, whatever. So, um, again, like I said, hang in there, guys and gals. Stay strong as you can. It's okay to cry. It's okay to punch pillows and try not to take it out on your pets and your, you know, your loved ones. But, um, you know, keep it together. Stay strong. And uh, I will see you guys next week. All right, guys. See ya. And Bullet, if you heard that crunch, I don't know if you can, oh, the mic's picking it up. But Bullet is chowing down. See you guys. Bye-bye from Bullet and I. Skiba ba ba ba. And yes, that was not supposed to be on the mic. I was just randomly making sounds and I forgot to hit the wrong thing. But ski baba it is. We are out. Thank you.